You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. There's nothing above you. And God, though everything seems to be chaos, Lord, we find our refuge in you. We place our trust in you. We find our hope in you, our satisfaction, our joy in you. And Lord, you give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. For you are the King of kings. So God, we trust you. Help us to focus on your word and focus on you alone today, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's begin today in Ezekiel. We're going to end up with what Jesus has to say about being born again or what Jesus has to say about a new heart. But let's begin in Ezekiel to get a little information I think is important for us to understand some of the response that Jesus gave Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel is a prophecy. Ezekiel is sharing with the Jewish people the things that are about to come. There's a reference to a third temple in there that is definitely up for interpretation, especially when we're looking at the situation of today. Does that third temple represent Christ risen from the dead and us being attached to him, perhaps? Uh, many people believe, of course, that it's going to be a physical third temple. Today, when I think about that possibility, I just, oh, how in the world could that ever happen? But um, interesting scriptures is found in Ezekiel. The difficult thing about prophecy is... You read it, you look at it, and you recognize that it's for a future time than when God revealed the message. And, and I personally am not able, and I don't really personally believe anybody else is as well, can really tell you exactly when that time is. Okay? We know it's in the future. We've got that. And we know that it's given to us to strengthen our faith, to help us understand that God's at work and all those kind of things to manufacture belief in us, and God gives us that belief. But uh, this is one of those places where perhaps we don't ne necessarily see the date and time, when it all began, how it's all going to culminate. But I, I think there's absolutely no question from what we see going on in God's kingdom today that we are living in a time where the fulfillment of the prophecy of Ezekiel here in chapter 36 is being unfolded because it's very clear that people are receiving new hearts today. It's happening. It's happening all across the world. Matter of fact, it's happened all during our lifetime. Every one of us in here, regardless of age, we are living in a time of the giving away of new hearts, the receiving of new hearts. And so it is perhaps... Um, uh, progressing today like never before based on some of the uh, unique reports that are coming out all across the world today from Christian people in these countries. Ezekiel 36, verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, so it's written to the people of God, the Jewish people, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. 
So he's saying that what I'm about to say to you and what I'm about to prophesy, what I'm about to reveal to you and what's going to happen for you is it's not for your benefit, it's for my benefit. Now, this is kind of a crazy way to think about this and we're not conditioned to think this way, but your salvation is not primarily for you, it's for God. My salvation is not primarily for me, it's for God and his name. Now, I receive benefits. You receive benefits from getting a new heart from your salvation. We got forgiveness. We got joy. We got happiness. We got peace. Uh, we've got security. Uh, we've got uh, sleep at night theology that we can lay our head down on the pillow and we can go to sleep because we know that everything between us and the Lord is tickety-boo and all is well. And so we can experience that abundant life. But here, the Lord tells the people of Israel that what he's about to do is not for their benefit, but for his, that he would be glorified. And our salvation is the same. Verse 23, And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. Isn't it interesting that that's true today as it was then? People don't believe in God. Isaiah said that we would live in the day of the new heart, and during that time, people would not believe in God. They would not believe in judgment. They would not believe in consequences. They would not believe in damnation. They would believe that their way of living is uh, okay, and they can manufacture right and wrong, and they can determine uh, that there are no consequences for their sin. And that is profaning the name of the Lord. And it's all around us. But there's something here when you put these two together that that's going to be taking place at the same time people are receiving new hearts, which is a, a mind-blowing reality there. Okay? Now, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that we know that the time of the coming of the Lord is close when... The church takes the gospel to the whole world, and at the same time, there's a great falling away. We've talked about that a lot. That's a prophecy that we look forward to. People say, Lee, do you believe that Jesus is about to return? Well, I do believe that it's his business and he can return anytime he wants to, but are we seeing the great falling away and the great effort to take the gospel to the whole world? You know, that's, that's a question that we've got to evaluate the signs of the times. But just as the Lord's name will be mocked, spit on, stepped on, stomped on, uh, just disregarded at the same time that all that's taking place, the Lord will be giving people new hearts. And so you've got the worst going on and the best going on. And so these days of giving of the new heart is to me described as the worst of times and the best of times. You read that somewhere before? I mean, you see where he got it from. Maybe he didn't get it from there. Maybe he doesn't know that, but he's a bright guy. And maybe he just understood that even in the 1800s, I believe is when those words were first put out on paper, wasn't it? That he understood that simultaneously you can have in the world the best of times and the worst of times. And, and that's what Ezekiel, I believe, is saying here. He says, 
which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, who went, went, uh, God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. So they're going to be horrible people, sinful people. They're going to be Satan's people. And at the same time, God is going to make his name great. Look for that. A time in the world where people are anti-God, anti-Christ, totally against spiritual things, totally hating the people of the Lord, hating the Jews. Look for a time when people hate the Jews. Look for a time when they're mocked. Look for a time when, when world leaders say that Netanyahu is the worst human being to ever live. Whoa. That he's a warmonger. That he's a sorry person. We need to get rid of him. Our own leaders did that. Wow. Makes me, it makes me tremble when I think about how the Jewish people are treated today and have been treated when I read chapters like Ezekiel 22. The best of times and the worst of times. Verse 24, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Is this 1948? Perhaps. There was not that experience between 70 A.D. and the 1880s. Did you know that? Do you understand that after 70 A.D., the nation of Israel, that we understand to be the nation of Israel, was vacant to Jews? Only a few places where Jewish people lived in Israel. But Father Herzl, the French man, had the vision of of Zion and bringing people back to Israel, the nation. And it started happening in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And the result is 1948. The Russian ambassador to the UN stands up and says, I move that we recognize Israel as a nation. A Russian did that. A communist did that in 1947, I think it was. And many people believe verse 24. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to say for or against. I'm saying it is very likely. It makes sense to me. I will take you from the nations. I will take you from Germany. I will take you from France. I will take you from Italy. I will take you from Eastern Europe. I will take you from Russia. I will take you from Ethiopia. I will take you from all countries in the Far East and in Africa, all across the world. People are going to have a yearning to return to my land, the Lord says. And I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Now, many people will look at that and say, oh, he's talking about what happened uh, with uh, the Exodus. And that, well, that is already happened here in the day of Ezekiel. So it's a time in the future. You got to see that. Now, this is what I really want to get to. Verse 25. At this time, at the time that the nation of Israel sees uh, a rebirth. I think that's clear in it from verse 24. 
There's something in the future from Ezekiel's day that Israel is going to get what they didn't have. And they're going to experience what they missed for a long, long time because they had it in Ezekiel's day, they lost it, and now they're going to have it again. And that's what Ezekiel's saying. But he says in verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you. Man, that dusty, dusty desert, hot, dirty, dusty desert. Sprinkle clean water on me. What does it do for you? It refreshes you. There's nothing better, is there, out working all day, grass all over your dirt, all over your dust in your ears, and your nose, and your mouth, and your eyes, and you're just covered in soot, and you've been just in that hot summer breeze, hot summer uh, wind all day long, and to get in that nice, cool water, isn't that a great, refreshing feeling? Well, this is a spiritual reference to that. It's great physically, but how much greater it is spiritually. I will sprinkle clean water on you. I'm going to clean you up, God says. There's coming a day that I'm going to clean you up. There's coming a day that you're going to get a refreshment of the Lord. Acts 3.19 says that if we will confess and repent and believe in Him, the refreshment of the Lord will come. In Acts chapter 2, it says that this was the day that Joel prophesied about when men will dream dreams and, and, and have visions and, and women will experience things of the Lord and there will be a new understanding that will happen when the Holy Spirit wakes up the church, births the church, and that happened at Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit came, and the Holy Spirit came in a complete new way for all of us who believe. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, uncleanness, and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. There's going to be a revival, Ezekiel says. No more idolatry, no more uncleanness. No more walking around under the bondage and the burden of sin. Now, not everybody gets that today. Not everybody gets to experience that today. But oh my, isn't there a whole lot of people experiencing that their sin has been removed? Anyone here got that going on? Hallelujah, me too. Yeah, I ain't perfect. I ain't got it all together, but I got a new heart. I got a new heart. I got a new heart 40-something years ago now. And it's still new. I remember what it's like never to think about God, never to think about Belmore Baptist Church down the street from where I grew up, never think about what God's people did or didn't do, never th even considered eternity, hell, heaven, none of that. And then they shared the gospel with me, and guess what? A few days later, the Holy Spirit began to show me that it was right, it was real, it was true. And in that process, Lee Brewer got a new heart. He wasn't the same guy anymore. Had a long way to go, still has problems. Still has problems 40-some years later. Still struggles and still is not one, he's not perfect at all. I don't want you to leave here thinking, well, he got a new heart, he's perfect. No, not this guy. Those preachers that, that make you think they're perfect, they're liars. They're not perfect. They got problems. They're the most, they are boring, first of all. <laughs> They're no fun. 
I, I remember back in the day that we used to laugh at the pastor because he would mow his yard with a tie on. That's wrong. <laughs> right? What? I mean, come on, dude. Get your flip-flops on and get your t-shirt and get on down the road with it. Let's go. But I digress. So let's look at it. Verse 26. This, this excites me. This gives me purpose and meaning. I get to do something here. This is better than anything I've ever experienced. And I will give you a new heart. And I will give you a new heart. And I will give you a new heart. Verse 26 says, In that day when people are profaning my name, in that day when people are not concerned with the consequences of sin, in that day when people are living for themselves, in that day when Israel is just absolutely mocked, in that day when there is no fear of God in people's lives, in that day where people stop going to church, in that day where there's no hunger for the Bible, there's no hung, hunger for the Word, there's no concern for spiritual realities, in that day, in that day, I will give you a new heart. Who is the you, people who are receiving this? People who are open to this? People who are positioned to receive it? The people that, that are ready for it? And I will give you a new heart. So at the same time that all this corruption is going on, there's always going to be, in this day and time, a group of people that receive a new heart. A new heart, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. He's describing what it means to be born again. He's describing the difference between people who are anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-spiritual values, anti-Scripture, don't believe in Jesus, don't believe in the Holy Spirit, don't believe in God the Father, are more concerned with living for themselves and living for, for something way beyond them, right? The world, the flesh world, the carnal world, that's them. However... God's going to do something in that day that is unbelievable. It's something to be really stoked about, something to be really fired about. He's going to give a new heart. He's going to put a new spirit within us. We're no longer going to have the heart of stone, but we're going to have a heart of flesh that the Holy Spirit is going to be in us. Jesus said you shall call, uh, God said you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And in that day, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey him. There's going to come a time. Jesus is going to provide this. God says there's going to come a time where people of the world will get a new heart. The Holy Spirit will live in them. And guess what that's going to result in? They're going to want to do what God wants them to do. Do you want to do what God wants you to do? That's the question. Do you want to do what God wants you to do? If you receive, if you have received a new heart and if you have received the spirit, you want to do what God wants you to do. That's what the word says here. 
If you have not received a new heart, and if the Holy Spirit does, does not live in you, you don't want to do what God wants you to do. We need we we people that have the new heart and have the Spirit living us. We need to get to where we understand that, because we're upset that people don't want to please the Lord and don't want to live for Him. They don't even have the possibility of it because they don't have a new heart. They're just going to profane God. So we need to share with them the good news that is the only way that people can get a new heart is when the Holy Spirit's working on them. See, if you've got a, if you've got a friend, a family member, a child, if you've got a coworker that don't care about God one bit, share the gospel with them. If they're living a sinful life, they haven't been saved. Because until they've been saved, until they've been born again, until they've been, until they've received a new heart, they just don't want to do it. They can't do it. It's not even a possibility. Ezekiel 22 says that. Ezekiel 22 lays it out firm. So, obviously, you know, I believe we're in this day of the receiving new heart. So now, turn to John chapter 3. And when you put Ezekiel 22 together with John chapter 3, I think it makes a lot of sense. And we see the pouring out of the new heart, the new spirit, the desire to keep the commands of God. We're the people of the new heart. People of a new heart. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was an Israel, Israeli, right? A Jew. He's the one that Ezekiel 22 is written for. The man went to school. He had a test on Ezekiel 22. He studied Ezekiel. He had probably, I, I, I don't know that Nicodemus wrote his dissertation on Ezekiel, but he spent time with it. He couldn't be where he was without having that understanding. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. So look at verses 1 and 2. A Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, it means that he has political power. It means that he's a religious man. It means that he's a moral man. It means that he's a man that should, that, that understood that Jesus was sent by God. He's respectful of Jesus, rabbi. He says, we know you're from God. We know you're a teacher come from God because no one can do what you do unless they've come from God. And so we know that God is with you. So Nicodemus has got all these wonderful qualities in his life. He's got, he's got some cash. He's got some cheese. <laughs> he can't be the ruler of the Pharisees without having some cheese. He lived in, on Mount Zion, most likely. Lived in a nice house. He probably had servants. You know he had servants. He, he just had it going on. And he has a question that he wants to ask Jesus. 
but he can't even get around to it. He goes to him at night, and then we see in verse 3 that he never gets to the question before Jesus answers the question. So you know what's going on. You know, you're ready to quit your job, and you just uh, walk in to see your boss and go, dude, I'm done. You know, and da 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 da. You just have a hard time with that struggle, right? You know, that's that's Nicodemus. Man, I hope nobody sees me. Who is he concerned seeing him? Pharisees, Jews. Hope no one sees me. I mean, religion is always that way. Religion is always worried about going public, isn't it? How many people do you know in your own life that have told you over and over that your Christianity or your faith is a private matter? Religion's always a private matter. <laughs> so you're not born again, huh? Well, no, no, I didn't say that. Well, I mean, if you're based on what Jesus had to say, if you're not willing to confess Jesus publicly, you're religious and you're not born again. Oh. How dare you say it to me? Well, Jesus said it 2,000 years ago. I'm just trying to apply it. I mean, does it apply to you? And, and they won't pay for the tea. They'll get up and leave. They'll stick you with a ticket. Chapter 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He answers the question before the question's asked. What was the question that Nicodemus wanted answered? How do you see the kingdom of God? I'm a Pharisee. I'm a ruler of the Jews. I'm political. I'm religious. I'm a moral man. I'm a good man. I understand. I recognize you, Jesus. You're a rabbi. You're sent by God. Here's my question. What do you got to do to see the kingdom of God? And Jesus says to this religious man, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know what being born again is? It's receiving a new heart. That's what Ezekiel was talking about. There is going to come a day that the most important message that Jesus, the Son of Man, the Messiah, would share is you must receive a new heart. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot be right with God. You cannot be secure. You cannot know for sure about your eternal life until you're born again. He says to Nicodemus, a man that should be born again, that should know the message of Ezekiel, that should understand all that, but Nicodemus is not born again. Can you imagine being religious? Being the leader of all the religious dudes, having all the scholars around him, even the Sadducees would have to deal with him, the more conservative group that was around. But the Pharisees, they accepted the oral traditions. They accepted all this wisdom and all this information and all these legalities when it comes to religion, but not born again. We're going to go in and plead our case before the Sanhedrin and Nicodemus is going to sit in the center chair and he's not born again. He's not born again. I was writing a paper on Roman Catholic theology in seminary and, and I had the experience of, of realizing a day before uh, the papers were due that I was one short. 
one paper short the night before. Oh, geez. And so I had to find me a mass. And I found one over on South Fort Worth over there. And it was a Wednesday night mass in their chapel. And I can go there and I can write my final paper on my my experience at this mass. And oh, I was up all night long after this mass. If you're Roman Catholic, no apologies. This is what happened. No apologies for me. Am I beating you up? No, I'm beating them up. But if you were there, then if the shoe fits, okay? No apology here. This is what happened. So I go in, and man sits in front of me, and he says, are you from the seminary? And I went, yeah. Doctor, he said, Dr. Kiwi's class? I said, yeah. Bunch of y'all been coming by here. Yes, sir, I'm one short. I hope this is the one I need. Uh, I'm going to fail if I don't turn in this last paper. He says, all right, glad you came, glad you're here. He turns around, and then he turns back around. And he said, you know, I'm glad you're here, but I want you to know something before we ever get started. And I said, what's that? He goes, well, today we have uh, uh, a guest uh, uh, minister, a guest uh, priest leading the Mass. And I went, I, I'm thinking, I don't care who it is, you know. And he said, he's not saved. Clear as a bell. There was only about 15 of us in that little chapel. Everybody could hear it. He's not saved. He's not saved. From someone that's received a new heart, that someone has got the Holy Ghost, from someone who went from never thinking about God, now he's a... Uh, a poorly educated country boy in seminary. Poorly educated because of my choices. In over my head. Who's willing to jump off the bridge into the shallow water because I got a new heart and I'm on fire and, and God has put that fire there and I want to learn everything I can learn so that I can tell people about the new heart. Right? I mean, that's basically the whole deal. He said, he said, he's not saved. But the other priest who normally does this mass, he's born again. He has the Holy Spirit, but this guy doesn't. And so the paper was about the reality that, that this man who knew what it meant to be born again, who knew what it meant to have the Holy Spirit, who was a devout Catholic, but had that spiritual dynamic in him and, 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 he did everything the priest said to do who wasn't saved by his own opinion. I went, holy cow, this is beyond. I mean, I wrote all night long and Susan got those, those she started typing and we just went to work on that and da-da-da-da-da. It's a beautiful thing. And I experienced that and said, wow, that's, that's the way the world is, isn't it? Not born again, but religious and we find security in that religion. So we're going to participate in the mass, even though we know that priest who's supposed to stand before us and God and, and, and atone, give his absolution and be in that right position, doesn't have a new heart and doesn't have the Holy Spirit and is not born again. You can have religion without being born again. You can be a churchgoer without being born again. Nicodemus shows us. That priest shows us that. Now, 
There are Baptist pastors not born again. You know that? I know there's, there's seminary professors who never had a new heart. And the way they graded showed that. <laughs> Horrible human beings. Yeah. You know that's true. It's a problem. And it's, it's serious that we look at this and have we, have you, have I received a new heart? Have you received a new heart? I think we'll leave it there. I think enough has been said. Are you born again? Do you have a new heart? Have you received a new heart or you still have that stone cold heart? Have you received the Holy Spirit or are you still living according to your ways? Is there an overwhelming desire for you to do the things that God wants you to do? Or are you just doing what you want to do? Have you got a new heart? We live in the day of the new heart. Have you got a new heart? I've got a new heart. Imperfect. Probably never going to be perfect. Probably never going to be any better than average. This is it. But I got a new heart. I know I got a new heart. You know why I got a heart? Because verse 8 says that don't marvel at this. The wind blows wherever it wishes and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit, who gets a new heart. I know when the wind blows, you know what? I see it. What do I see? I see the leaves moving. I hear it. What do I hear? I hear that wind passing through objects, don't I? And I see evidence of it and hearing it, feeling it inside the new heart and seeing evidence of it. I put all those together and I know that I have a new heart. Do you know that you have a new heart? Do you know? Do you know you have a new heart or are you just religious? You're here today and you're here not because you have a new heart. You're here because you're religious. You're watching on TV today because you're at the beach or something, but you, 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 you don't have a new heart and you need a new heart. Who needs a new heart today? Who needs to be born again? Who needs to be saved? Who needs to receive the Spirit? The Lord gives new hearts. We live in the day of a new heart. Who needs a new heart? Let's pray. And if you need a new heart, come forward and let's pray for you. If you need a new heart today, leave with a new heart. Lord, send those to the altar that need a new heart today, that need to be born again, that need to not be concerned with other people, even though it's like dark in here so people can't see them. But Lord, who, who've just been going to Jesus at night, so no one sees them and they don't understand that if, we, if they acknowledge you before people, you will acknowledge them. But if they don't acknowledge you before people, Lord, you will not acknowledge them, Lord. For, for anyone that fits any of those descriptions, just needs a new heart, Lord, speak to their heart today. Just speak to their heart and may they come and receive a new heart.
Receive a new spirit. This is the day of the new heart, Lord. May your spirit work in, in this congregation this morning. So if you need to receive a new heart, please come forward. I need a new heart. Unashamed, I need a new heart. Not concerned with what people think. I'm just more concerned with what God thinks, which is one of the points of an invitation. That if you confess me for people, I'll confess you. But if you don't confess me for people, I won't confess you. If you can't do it here, you can't do it out in the world. New heart? Who needs a new heart today? Do we just accept that everyone has a new heart? Who needs a new heart? I just need a new heart. Anyone at all? Anyone need a new heart? Anyone need to be born again? Any, anyone need to experience God for the very first time? Need a new heart? Need to repent of your sin today? Need to get right with Him? You have a relationship, you have a new heart, but man, you're, you're, you, you haven't been quite living up to that new heart. And you need His grace, you need His forgiveness. Will you come? Will you come just to pour out your heart to the Lord? Anyone at all? Regenerate that new heart. Refuel that new heart. Get it charged up. Who needs a new heart? Bryce said, I'm going to get my heart charged up today. Very interesting. Bryce has a heart that is thick for medical reasons, but that boy's got a new heart. I remember when he got the new heart, he changed. That heart he's got is, is hardened, but not his spiritual heart. Thanks for giving us a lesson, Bryce. You need a new heart, just come pray. You need to be renewed to the Lord, just come pray like these have. Maybe a marriage is having a hard time. Just need to come and pray and say that loving each other is more important than any of our problems. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Have you given up on love? Have you given, given up on faith? Have you given up on hope? The Lord's here wanting to speak to you. Be set free. Have the sin completely removed. Experience the Father's hug of you. Come and receive Him. Are you broken? Things just out of sorts. Need a fresh, just need a fresh dose of grace, of love, of hope. Lord, we pray for these that have come today. Lord, may your name be recognized. May your name be honored in their lives. May they live the way you desire to. May they be who they need to be. Lord, may they experience the joy of, of Jesus in their lives. Father, we pray for those here today, Lord, that are struggling, going through hard times. May your will be done. May they experience that extra dose of love and favor 
and mercy and kindness from you. Oh, the new heart's wonderful, Lord. Mysterious, it's like the wind. But it gives us new life, gives us new hope, gives us new passion, new perspective. We praise your holy name, Lord. We just praise who you are. We praise what you've done. We pray, praise you, God, that you establish your name again. And during this time that your name has been reestablished is the time when people receive a new heart. Amen, Lord. We're thankful. Lord, may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, will you come forward to take up the offering this morning?